This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. This is Dr. Jonathan Hansen, President of World Ministries International, as well as Eagles Saving Nations. Go to my website, worldministries.org. That's worldministries.org and check it out. We need you today in Eagle Saving Nations. We have to have a national revival, a great awakening. Again, you're watching, listening to the warning program. We do a service every single week for the staff of WMI and their families. We're in our college chapel and it's a live audience. There is children. I have an apostolic leader with me today. His name is Dennis Moore. And uh, you're going to enjoy Dennis. He's been on the program before, right here in our chapel. He's been on other programs of mine in our television and radio studio, and I'm sure you have watched it. If not, go to World Ministries International and check the programs out. Dennis? Thank you, Dr. Hansen. God bless you. Appreciate it. Well, praise the Lord. God is good. All the time. All the time. Don't we love declaring His goodness? You know, I love just taking time and meditating on the attributes of God. And a lot of times when I'm, when I'm in prayer, I'll just take a, a character of God. I'll take his goodness. I'll take his faithfulness. I'll take his righteousness. I'll take an attribute of God. And I just spend a, a, quite a period of time just meditating, praying, and thanking him for each aspect of his character. And then asking the Lord, Lord, will you enlarge my understanding? Will you grant me more understanding about your faithfulness? You know, the, the, the great thing about God is you can be with God for eternity and you'll still be going, wow. You know, a million years from now, we'll be going, wow. Ten million years, we'll be going, amazing. Amen. You see, there's no, there's no depth to the character and the attributes and the power of God. We talked uh, recently about astrophysics and how you could get into a, a craft, some type of a spaceship, and if you were to travel from our Earth to the center of our galaxy, and you could do it at the speed of light, you'd be traveling 186 miles per second. Wow. How long would it take you to go from our Earth, which is out, out a ways away from the center of our galaxy, how long will it take you to go from our Earth to the center? Well, it's not a very long time. It's only 26,000 years. <laughs> and that's traveling at 186,000 miles per second. 
So I think we have a God that we're going to be going, ah, yeah. about for a long time. And it's going, to be, it's going to be the most exciting thing for you to enter into heaven and discover that you have a God that you never, ever understood fully on this earth. Matter of fact, it will take eternity for us to be, begin to start understanding him. Now, one time we had a family in our church that were from Russia. And this Russian couple had four children and they had a grandmother back in Russia who had gone through a lot of persecution. One day they were able to bring her to the States. She came to our prayer meeting. I went over and laid hands on her and began to declare the name of Jesus over her life. Now, this is a woman who could not speak one word of English. She couldn't even say hello. She could not say anything in English. And all of a sudden, she began to cry out in English, Yes, he's coming! Yes, he's coming! He's coming! Yes, he's coming! And I thought, this is the Spirit of the Lord. This is the Spirit of the Lord crying out for Jesus to come. And the Bible tells us in the book of Revelation, it says that the church and the Spirit cry, Come, Lord Jesus. Yes. Now, we know there's a great passion in the spirit for Jesus to be manifest, for Jesus to be exalted, for Jesus to be raised up. But the heart cry has to be the church in the spirit. Amen. I believe there's something extraordinary happening in the church. I believe something's happening that's never happened before. As I have pastored for many years, I'd watch people come into the church and they would gradually come into the deep things of God. And it would take them years. I remember my own, my own sons. It took them years to come into the deeper things of God. And yet today, I see people moving quickly into the deep things of the Spirit. Amen. What did we sing about today? We sang about, show me your face. What intimate, powerful song. And so a young person can come into the church, a young person gets saved, and they're on fire for God, and they can move into a, show, Lord, show me your face. It's no longer, you know, where's the rock band for Jesus? <laughs> yes. Now it's God. I'm on my face, Amen. and tears Amen. are pouring down my face. My wife shared a powerful word this morning out of the book of Ruth. I want to continue from that same book. Because there is such a powerful message about covenant love. And I want to look at verse 15 of chapter 1. And it says, look, Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But what does Ruth say? Ruth says, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you from me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. Now we know the story 
of Naomi, a famine in the land of Israel. She comes, uh, her and her husband and two sons go into the land of the Moabites. And there in the land of the Moabites, her two sons become married to two Moabite women. In time, the husband dies and the two sons die. Now you can imagine with me when you have two women, Moabite women, sitting around working with, a, with an Israeli covenant woman, and they're talking, what is, what is um, Naomi going to talk about? She's going to talk about the goodness of God. She's going to talk about the kindness of God. She's going to talk about the covenant of God. And this has a profound effect upon Ruth. When Ruth begins to learn that God is a compassionate God, when Ruth begins to learn that God's a forgiving God, when Ruth begins to learn that God is a God of love, he's not a God of hatred, he's not a God like the other gods that we serve, he's not a mean God, he doesn't demand that we put our children on a statue, and that statue, the child rolls into a fire. Why did Nineveh repent? Jonah shows up. Who is this man? Been in the belly of a well. He's bleached, blonde. He looks like a wild prophet. And he comes walking to the town. He declares that this, you must repent or God will destroy this city. And the king calls forth for the entire city to repent. Why? Why did they respond to God? Why did they respond to this crazy prophet? Why did they turn and, and, and bow their knee to God? Why did they cry out to God? Why did they repent of their sins? Because they had never heard of a God who gave a second chance. They have never heard of a God that has covenant love. They have never heard of a God that shows mercy. See, the pagan gods don't show mercy. The pagan gods don't give you a second chance. The pagan gods don't lift you up when you're falling down. The pagan gods don't help you to get through your trial and get through your dark days and get through your troubling moments. But the God of Israel is a merciful God. Amen. Naomi says, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. She's literally saying to Ruth that your gods are no better than my God. Go back to your God. Go back to your people, because my God failed me. My God wasn't here when I cried out. My God didn't come to me and deliver me. My God didn't set my family free from disease and sickness. But Ruth, she has a covenant heart, and she makes covenant. You see, Naomi couldn't break that covenant. When Ruth declared, let me die with you. When Ruth declared, your God will be, will be my God. She couldn't break it. You see, there's something that's more powerful and more real than anything that man can do. And that is when God comes and covenant is made. When God comes and covenant is established. Naomi agrees. And they go back to Israel. It's been heard that there's, the famine is over. And she comes into Israel, and the whole community is in an uproar. Naomi's back. But she says, don't call me Naomi. Call me the bitter one. Call me the one who left full but came back empty. Call me the one without hope. And sometimes the enemy will convince us 
that God's no better than the other gods. He'll try and convince us that, you know, if you weren't serving God, you'd be doing better in life. If you weren't somehow serving God, people wouldn't be so upset with you. He gives us a thousand reasons why we shouldn't serve God. But God is faithful. God is faithful. And he doesn't forget his covenants. Ruth goes out into the field and she begins to glean. Boaz comes along. He says, who is this woman? How's it going? And who is this woman? And they say, well, this is the one who is the daughter-in-law of Naomi. And he says, give her a little extra. Give her some more. You see, God will redeem you from your darkest hour. God will redeem you from your greatest trial. God is more than enough. But sometimes he'll allow you to go through that fire so your heart comes out pure on the other side. Because in the end, Naomi was delivered. And so Ruth goes out. She gets blessing from Boaz. She comes back. Naomi says, you need to go to the threshing floor. Women were not allowed on the threshing floor. It's interesting that Boaz, when he came out, he asked, how's things going? Got the report, blessed Ruth, and then he was on his way. When did Boaz become involved in the harvest? It was when it, he, it was a threshing floor. It's a time of separation. It's a time of crushing. And sometimes when we're being crushed, sometimes when we're being separated, sometimes when God's dealing with something in our life, we wonder, where did you go? Where are you? I don't feel you like I, I normally feel you. Where are you? And in reality, he's closer than he's ever been before. It's those moments where you're going through trauma. It's those moments you're going through the battle. It's those moments you're going through the valley of decision. It's those moments you're dealing with the great uh, challenge of your life. It's in that moment that God says, I'm right here. You see, the reason we don't always see him is because we're looking up. We're not, we're not looking next to us. Because now he's standing next to you. You see, he doesn't abandon you in your time of trial. He draws close to you. And he says, I'm here with you because I want to take you through this. I want to reveal myself to you. I want to bring hope to you. I want to reconstruct your thinking. I want to reconstruct your heart. I want to pour my love into you. I want to do something that, that no man can do for you. I want to be your covenant God. Because our God is a covenant-making God. And so Ruth heads to the threshing floor. She uncovers the feet of Boaz. She lays herself down. He wakes up. He says, who is this? And she declares who she is. And, he's, and, they, and Boaz, whose name means swift or swiftness, he decides he's going to redeem her. But there's another kinsman redeemer ahead of him. So he has to go to the gate. He goes to the gate, the place of authority. And there he announces to the one ahead of him that he can redeem Naomi and, and Ruth, but he declines. And so Boaz and Ruth become husband and wife. Out of their union comes Obed. 
Obed means servant of God. The amazing thing is that, well, there's many amazing things, but one of them is the fact that Ruth becomes the great-great-grandmother of David. Isn't that beautiful? How God takes a Moabite woman and weaves her into the lineage of David. And, and that way, uh, David's great-great-grandmother is Ruth. We don't know what God's going to do in our life or through our life. But we know that when Jesus went to the cross, he created the greatest covenant that's ever been made. Every covenant that was ever created, whether it was the Davidic covenant or Noah covenant or Abrahamic covenant, everyone had a weakness. And that was God and man. God and man. God and man. There's five of them. But when Jesus went to the cross, it was God and God. That's what created the perfect covenant. And that's what brought you into sonship. That's what brought you into daughtership. That's what brought you into a place where you can, you can cry out, Abba, Father. My best friend, I went to visit him several years ago in Mexico. He was a world-class mountain climber. He had been a wonderful pastor. He started a mountaineering school, a Christian-based mountaineering school. He had climbed some of the biggest mountains in the world. And he was in a wheelchair when I went to see him. And he could use this finger. That's all that he had left was that one finger. And he would do a little typing on his computer. That's all he could do. Well, then a few years later, I met his wife, Mary. And uh, Mary said to me, you know, Drew died. And I said, no, I didn't know that he died. And she said, he said to me, I hated this wheelchair. But in this wheelchair, I found my sonship. See, we had a long conversation, Drew and I. And Drew opened up his heart and shared his pain with me. I opened up and shared some things with him. And when we got through, he said to me, what are we going to do? And my response was, Drew, it's Abba time. It's Abba time. See, for some of us, you, you, you're never going to find the answer unless you have Abba time. Father and Son time. You're never going to find the real answer. You're never going to find the real solution. You're never going to find the real breakthrough. You're never going to find that covenant of love that's going to be so manifest and so real to you. You're never going to find the, 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 the heart cry of your soul. You'll never understand it until you have Abba time. Yes. And some people say to me, what, what does that mean? It means you've got to find your quiet place. You know, that may be uh, running a motel for a few days on your own. That may be, um, you know, just getting into your, into your inner room in your house and just opening up your, your, the Word and, and uh, putting on some deep worship music and just giving God time for you and Him to talk. Then she said, Drew and I, we were, we were doing our devotions together. And we, we were singing the song Amazing Grace. We got to that part of the song where it says, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun. She said, Drew closed his eyes, went to heaven. You see, we all want to end well. We go, we're going through this life. This life has challenges. It has uh, hardships. It has um, wonderful moments. And, and it has trying and challenging moments. 
And my, my prayer is, God, help us to, to finish well. Help us not to uh, be distracted by all the noise, all the, all the voices, all the, all the attempts of the enemy to bring confusion and disruption and turn our world upside down. You know, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer that we need to hear the sounds of heaven. I'm a firm believer that we need to know more of what heaven is saying than what the world is saying. I believe that we need to be so in tune with, with, the, with the Father and so in tune with the Son. Oftentimes when I go into prayer, I'm saying, God, just let me hear, let me hear the sounds of heaven. Let me see the mountain of the Lord. Let me hear the sounds of angels worshiping. You know what? I was in um, Kenya and I walked into a, uh, well, basically an apartment that we're staying in. And we had had an incredible service that day. The glory of the Lord had just come in such an amazing, amazing way. And I walked into that room and I instantly uh, was transported to heaven to lead the worship of heaven. And I'm, and I'm, I'm just totally profoundly confused because I don't understand why am I here. But it was a glorious experience to be, to be there and to be calling the angels to worship and to be calling the saints of God to be worshiping. And, you know, and I, had, I had a friend of mine who had told me that he had done that once. He was called into leading the worship of heaven. I never dreamed it would be me. But, I, but being there, uh, it was overwhelming. But, you know, I believe that the Father wants to give us those kind of experiences yes. so that we have a new perspective. You know, so we have an eternal perspective. Um, one time I was in prayer and the, and the Lord showed me the creation of the world. And I thought, my God, you know, I'm seeing galaxies that are just exploding. I saw, I saw what they called the Big Bang. I saw it taking place. I saw galaxies and stars and everything uh, coming into being. And you know, I know when the Lord shows you something, you, you don't tell him anything. You, you ask him, what do I need to know? And the Lord's response was, the problem with man is time. And he said, you think in time, you value in time, you act in time. You perform in time, our music's in time. You know, we, our, we talk about time, time is money. You know, we have a whole perspective about time. And he says to me, I don't think in time. I think in eternity. And then he said, I want you to think in eternity. I want you to think, everything you do, I want you to think, how does this affect eternity? How is this going to affect the lives of, of men and women for eternity? You know, it, it's... Having an eternal value system, not looking at life just from the temporal, not looking at life just from what pleases me or what, what I like to do or, 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 you know, looking at life from the idea of what can I gain. And so I find that one of the things that shifted in me was wanting to give, wanting to be more of a giver. And so when um, the opportunity came and we were able to fund several food banks uh, and help fund several. And then we funded one in Pakistan full time during COVID. And the end result was uh, hundreds and hundreds of people came to know the Lord. And, you know, just uh, being willing to uh, look at things, you know, as a from an eternal perspective rather than a temporal perspective. But then we were, uh, you know, we after we had 
uh, given out to so many, uh, I thought, you know, our bank accounts are empty. <laughs> We're not going to have anything left. And the statement came in about the third month, and we o I opened up the statement, and there was more money than when we started. And, and I'll tell you, you have a covenant God, and he's able to fill your well when your well is dry. He's able to heal your heart when your heart's broken. He's able to give you hope. And he's, this is the year of the door, the Jewish calendar, the year of four, the year of the door. Mari and I have been married 44 years. We've got extraordinary doors opening up. And yet, uh, we, I believe that we need to believe God even for more, for more doors and, and more life and more revelation. Amen. Dr. Hansen. Tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, you need a door. If you need it open right now, you can have it right now. Ruth needed a door. Naomi, you can have a door right now that gives you again eternal rewards as well as a great future right now. Just accept the Lord into your heart where you now are going to serve him. You're going to follow him. And I'm telling you, doors will be open to you like you've never seen before. You'll have a great future and God will use you just like he used Boaz and Ruth. God bless you. Now here is my friend, Scott Farah, and he's going to help you with your business. Scott? Jesus teaches us that we should never do anything without making a plan first. Most small business owners fail to follow this biblical principle and do not have a written plan for where they want to be in one year, three years, five years. Yet every large business has a written plan. Many who wish to start their own businesses do not develop a plan first. This is one of the major reasons that 80% of all small businesses fail within the first five years. God worked through me to develop a unique educational program for business people. Quite frankly, this program has changed people's lives. If you currently own a business or if you're thinking about going into business for yourself, you need the independence program. Visit our website, independenceprogram.training, and if you choose to purchase this unique educational program, Make sure that you use promo code WMI. It will give you a 5% discount. So if what you have just heard resonates with you, and if you care and you want to be an unsung hero, I implore you, please take a few seconds to call us today and leave a message with a short prayer for us. Because we need to know that you are with us and care enough to be part of the spark with us so that together we can move God to send a great awakening that can reverse the inevitability of God's coming judgment according to what God spoke in Jeremiah 18, 7, and 8. We believe that if you join hands with us, together we can save America from certain catastrophic judgment. So call now, okay? Dial 360-629- 5248. And say a short prayer for us in your message. And leave your phone number too, okay? So one more time, 360-629-5248. Thank you and God bless.